Hi, everyone. I'm Cindy Stewart, and welcome to my podcast. Each week, we will talk about how to live our lives in God's fullness. My goal is to encourage, equip, and empower you. I have included show notes that highlight the points of this message. You can also find all the information on my website, cindy-stewart.com. I am so excited about sharing this journey with you. So let's begin. You know, it's funny we don't have that little lag time to come up to the front, but it won't be long before we'll all be back together again. Um, so we'll let us, we'll kind of unveil that once Florida unveils their plan. So this morning, I want to talk a little bit about kingdom ownership. And um, I've, I've actually written on this several times. I'm sure I've talked about it sometime, you know, one time or the other. It's funny, I went back, you know, I wrote the article for Elijah List, and I sent it in on what we discovered, what God was showing us about the economics and the finances. I also sent a letter to President Trump, like we had talked about. So I sent that out yesterday. So we got all that done. And I was looking back at something that I had written in probably, I don't know, 2017 in Morningstar Journal, because um, they publish things for us too. And when I was reading it, I thought, you know, I just say the same thing over and over and over. I just say it in different ways. You know, everything that God, you know, sometimes God puts this kind of message on your heart that you just say over and over and over. You just say it in different ways. And I was reading it. I, I photocopied it. No, I um, screenshotted it and sent it to Karen but I didn't tell her who it was from. And she was looking at that. And then I sent her a note and I said, you know, that's something that I wrote a few years ago. And she goes, I thought that sounded like you, but uh, I feel like God has this message within each one of us that just naturally comes out of us in the way he's called us, the way he's anointed us, the way we've discovered our identity. Um, I was even thinking about Ruth this morning about how she has such a, a message of compassion. You know, when she talks about stuff, you can feel the compassion and that and the love that she has for people. So I was really thinking about this one as I was uh, finishing up my message. I started working on it a few days ago and um, just thinking about each one of us, how we carry uh, a piece of the kingdom within us that we are called to steward. We're called to build. We're called to uh, 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 grow as God has given us to grow. And um, so anyhow, that's kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning. We're going to meander a little bit because I've got a lot of different scriptures. And so you'll just have to hold on and uh, and we'll get to the end of it, believe it or not. But I was, uh, as I was kind of thinking through this, I had read a book. Uh, it's called uh, New Thinking, New Future. And there was this one little section, this small, tiny section about how to train your employees to think like owners. And I've been kind of developing that process for some of my clients because, you know, I have a business background. I still do business and equipping and those type of things. And uh, and, and he, it was just this one little small section about how do we think like owners, regardless of our position uh, in wherever we work or whatever we do? How do we think like owners? And I was thinking about the kingdom and how do we think like owners within the kingdom God has given us. 
because the word says that we are co-heirs in this process. Let's let's turn to we can turn to Romans for a minute. Let's look at Romans for a minute. Um, we're going to skip about Romans eight. Let's go there for a minute. We're just going to read a couple scriptures out of there. Yeah, sometimes in working, we think that we, you know, when we work for a company, uh, we're going to go to verse 10. But when we work for a company, sometimes we think we're at the mercy of whatever the owners want to do, right? But when we work for the king, because we're co-heirs, we're in partnership with what God wants to do. You know, he's interested in what we have to say, just like he did with Abraham. You know, he says, do I tell Abraham what I'm about to do? He does. And Abraham says, well, I know you're about to do this, but I have some ideas for you. Let's help negotiate what you're about to do. Uh, so God is interested in what we want to do uh, and, and what's on our heart. Anyhow, let's start in verse 10. It says, if Christ lives in you, Though your natural body is dead because of sin, your spirit is alive because of righteousness, which he's provided us. So we are alive in righteousness. So when we view things on earth, we view it through this life of righteousness that is within us. Verse 11, it says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who lives in you. So when I was kind of praying into this and thinking about this, I was thinking about, we know that when we come alive in Christ, our spirit is transformed right there. But we know that our soul and our bodies take a while to catch up with what God has done in our spirit. Like our spirit knows what to do because the Holy Spirit dwells within our spirit. We're one with the spirit. And he takes everything that God has, has for us and reveals it to us. But the battle exists outside of the spirit realm. It exists within our flesh and our, and our souls. So let's skip down to verse 14. But it says, well, let's read 13 real quick. It says, uh, for if you are living according to those impulses of the flesh, you're going to die. If you're, but if you're living by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to habitually put to death the sinful deeds of the body. You will really live forever for all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit are sons of God. Well, we know that we have been called sons of God because we have said yes to who Jesus is. It says, uh, verse 15 says, for you have not received the spirit of slavery leading again to fear of God's judgment, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, the spirit producing sonship, which by, by which we joyfully cry, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself testifies and confirms together with our spirit, assuring us that we believers are children of God. So as children of God, we have been give, given access to the kingdom. And the word says, and, and, and I'm just going to read some scripture. You can make some notes on it. I'm not going to uh, 
take you through each one of them, but I just want to talk about some of the scripture. So it says that we have been made sons of God, right? And in sons, as being sons and gods of, of uh, sons and gods, sons and daughters of God, we have been giving access to the mysteries of God. Even in uh, when we read Matthew 13, it talks about that the, the mysteries of God have been revealed to us. The hidden things have been, been revealed to us. You know, Jesus is talking about all the parables and he's going through this process of the seed, so to the seeds that are sown and the sower and how some fall on dry ground, some fall and are uh, eaten up by weeds. You know, he's talking about all, the, all this. And, you know, the disciples say to him, why do you speak in parables? And he says, he says back to them, uh, this is in um, Matthew 13, and it says, verse 11, he says to them, to you, it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, it has not been granted. And the reason it hasn't been granted is because it says in verse 12, that for whoever has spiritual wisdom, because he's receptive to God's word, to him, more will be given. So it's been granted to us because we've been receptive to the word of God. And when we're receptive to the word of God, he gives us more to understand. And the, and the people who are not receptive to the word of God, they don't receive more because they can't take what they've been given and grow from it. They, they are not receiving what God is saying to them, they're, they're turning away from it. So God can't give them more because they don't have anything to build on. But we have been given the hidden mysteries of God. So we understand how to build the kingdom because God reveals it to us. And um, there's a, one other scripture I wanted to read in while we were in this, this chapter. I think there is. Um, oh, no, I'm going to go to Luke. Anyhow. Uh, yeah, let's turn to Luke for just a minute. It's Luke 13. We're going to start in verse 18. But when you think about how do I run the kingdom business? How do I take what God has given me? And produce what God wants to produce. And in Matthew, I mean, I'm sorry, Luke 13, 18. Like I said, I've got a lot of scriptures to turn to. So um, we'll try to keep up here. Matthew, uh, I mean, Luke 13, 18. So this uh, led him to say, what is the kingdom of God like? And what shall I compare it to. It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his own garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the sky found shelter and nested in its branches. Now, just think about, I want us to think about the mustard tree as being uh, what God has planted in us, because I want to look at this as in an internal way and then an external way. In an internal way, God has planted his seed into us. And if you read back to Matthew 13, it 
talks about that parable of the seed. He's planted his seed into us. And as we are receptacle to the seed, like it said earlier, I read, then God gives us more so it grows within us. So that everything within us is permeated by the seed which God has planted to grow within us. Even the next verse says, um, verse 20, it says, and again, he said to, what shall I compare the kingdom of God? He answers, it is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks measures of flour until it all was leavened. It's like the word of God gets planted in us and it continues to grow and spread within us until it completely permeates us. And that's how we know how to move the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. It's because we take what God has given us and allow it to grow. And the more we allow it to grow, the more he gives to us. We know that when we become stagnant, then we're not growing. We're actually going backwards. When we become stagnant, it means we're not growing. It's like, have you ever seen stagnant water where there's just like that? Sometimes there's like that green stuff all over the top of it because there's been no movement in it. And eventually, you know, there's no fresh water in it. There's no fresh anything. And eventually it begins to dry up. Well, that's what happens to us when there's no fresh word being poured into us. We become stagnant and we begin to dry up. But when there's fresh word being poured into us, then we become the river of living water, right? That flows outside of our belly. So it's always about being ready to receive the more that God has for us so that we're able to pour out the more that God has for his kingdom. So I was, I've been working with a young couple. They're very, very young. They're in their twenties. They're super cute. And, uh, you know, a lot of this is new to them. And as we were talking, they were trying to figure out, you know, really, how does all this God stuff work? And, and we've all asked that question, God, how does this work? Can you, if you'll just tell me how it works, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I just need to know how it works. And, and as we were talking about it, they had a lot of questions about all kinds of things about the church and it wasn't necessarily questions about God it was questions about the church and their questions were um, as they grew up in two different types of church family one was a Easter Christmas family so they only went to church on Easter and Christmas and the other was they went regularly but their perception of church growing up was it was all about the exterior. It wasn't about the interior. It wasn't about the heart. It was all about uh, how you looked and how you presented yourself. It was all about putting on the, the perfect face every time you were at church. So everyone would see that you're okay. God is good and you're okay. Uh, so they didn't learn about the internal part of the transformation has to come within in order for the external to be okay, right? So as I've been talking to them and, and just really talking about some of the questions that they have about the church, um, 
one of the things that I think I found was the most interesting was their perspective of why um, the church didn't ex doesn't accept certain behaviors. And the perspective wasn't necessarily because God so loved the world, he gave us Jesus so we don't have to have those behaviors. It was because the church is um, discriminates against people that aren't like them. And it's interesting to think about that because it gives us a picture of what does the church look to people who aren't necessarily immersed in the church lifestyle, if that makes any sense. Now, I'm not talking about Jesus lifestyle. I'm talking about a church lifestyle. And this is a little bit what I want to talk about as far as really transforming our thought, our hearts to be owners within the kingdom as opposed to be employees within the kingdom. You know, Jesus says that, or Paul talks about in Romans, that because we're born again of the spirit by the blood of Jesus, that we are no longer slaves, we are children. And how do we make sure that we're not in that slave mentality as we're trying to bring the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? And I don't know if that makes sense, but I think it's important for us to realize as Thursday night, we're going to talk about preparing for God's move. Well, I believe that this is part of the move of God is that we have to be transformed in order to act like owners, co-heirs with Christ on this earth, as opposed to acting like slaves, just doing what the master told us to do. Then, Okay, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> I'm going to keep going because I think this is important, but it, it may be hard to just grasp. I'm not sure. I don't know if it's hard to grasp or not. You got to clap your hands or I can't hear a hallelujah. So I don't know if it's hard to grasp or not. But in this new season that God's about to open the doors to, it cannot look like the old season. It has to look different. And uh and as much as I love Zoom, uh, there are things I love about it. There's things I don't love about it. The thing I don't love about it is I don't have human contact. I, I, I'm not, you know, when, when we're at church, I'm three steps away from you, one of you. You know, and there's something about the, the, the being together that stirs my heart. I know it does. But there's also... This has also taught me kind of a lesson uh, in all this Zooming. First of all, we didn't live stream because we felt like it would be hard for us to stay connected as a family. And for me, family was much more important than live streaming on the internet to people who could care less about us. Because I believe that God is looking for people who can build a family that care for each other. And that we are more important to each other than having 500 new viewers or, or whatever that is. Uh, so that's why we stayed in the Zoom. The other thing it taught me is um, these interactive Bible studies that we're doing on Thursday nights are so powerful because God is speaking through us 
to move his kingdom forward. And the one on, we just had on Thursday night about the uh, 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 debriefing from the fasting, it had powerful, powerful uh, revelation in it. And I'm still reading through it. I read through it again the other day because I took notes on everything. Everybody sent me stuff, but it had such powerful revelation that is an indicator of how God is going to move us out in this new season. So those are, those are two of the main things I learned is we have to maintain the family. And I know Daughters of Destiny has been meeting via Zoom and that seems to be going really well, but we have to maintain our family connection. We can't forsake the family for something out there that is uh, not measurable in the relationship of Christ. And the other thing is, is we have to have these avenues where what God is saying to you comes alive in a group because it confirms it, it, uh, it helps us plan. It does all kinds of things for what's coming in our next season. So I think those are two of the, the biggest thing I've learned and being, being in this ownership with God, we are, we are, we are owners of the kingdom on earth. God gave us the authority to be the owners on earth. We have the authority to do that. When someone's sick, we have the authority to heal them. When, when someone needs provision, we have the authority to provide the, for them both in the natural and in the supernatural. We, we have been given such power. Our words have the ability to cancel the assignment of the enemy. Everything that we do, everything that we think needs to be filtered through an ownership understanding. And, you know, I don't know when it came out, maybe 10 years ago or 15, 20 years ago. I don't know when we came out with the, what would Jesus do? You know, bracelets, everybody had one. What would Jesus do? When we were faced with anything, we would, we would look, okay, what would Jesus do? That would remind us to say, what would Jesus do? And if you don't know Jesus, then you don't know what he's going to do, Right. And, and, and that was a little bit of the bridge gap there. There was a little chasm there because everybody would say, well, what would Jesus do? But they didn't know the love of Jesus to understand what he would do. So we had a lot of uh, action, but not necessarily a kingdom movement. And, and that's where I want, I want to go dig in a little bit more to the kingdom movement, if you don't mind, if, if you'll just let me go there a little bit. Um, we understand, I'm going to read a scripture out of uh, Psalms 139, three through four, and it's out of the Passion Translation. So uh, just, just uh, hang on and listen to this. It says, and, and just receive this from the Lord. It says, you are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book and you know all the words I'm about to speak even before I start a sentence. You know, every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon me, you impart a blessing to me. So when we think about just the elements of these two verses, what it spoke to me was, um, first of all, God loves us so much. 
and and we say that, but the the uh, uh, what would you call it the uh, resounding part when he says that he loves us so much that he's so intimately aware of that should resound within us that should shake and cause us to quake all over at the level of love he has for us. And not only that, he's gone ahead of us to prepare the future for us. And the future for us is to be followers of Christ and take the keys of authority that he's given us to change things on earth as it is in heaven. We have a greater power to change than we even realize. And in this season, we are going to see not only a, a greater unity of, of, of believers who understand this kingdom ownership that, that everything that needs to happen on this earth, we have the power and the authority to do it. We have the power and authority to stop the hurricanes. We have the power and the authority to break the enemy assignment in our media. We have the power and authority to break the enemy assignment against our earth, against uh, the world, against the United States. We have that power and authority to do that. We have the power and authority right now to shift the direction of our economy because of the prayers that God has given us to pray, the revelation that he's given us to release and the follow through that we have the ability to do. It's just like it was sharing early, Matt was sharing earlier, you know, he lost a customer, but then he gained a, co a contract that he never should have gained in this season. But God's not worried about the season of lack that's been forced upon us by the enemy. God is showing us that there's a kingdom of abundance that breaks through any stronghold the enemy of lack has set against us. So we have that ability to shift whatever's happening to the way God has called it to be. And um, yeah, I'm just going to say this. I know that people have said that, that this plague is God's judgment. And I do not believe that at all. And I may have said this before. I don't know. It just, just burns in me. It burns in me. I don't believe it. I believe God can use what the enemy is meant for evil to turn us to the good to transform us, to, to be introspective and outerspective, to look at what is going on, God, what is it you want to change in me? And what can I do to change the outside world to look like the kingdom of God? So I, I think God has used it. I think he's used it powerfully. But I also think that as we prayed, I think Karen gave us this prayer to prayer, this great mercy of God over our nation this great wonder of God, these signs and wonders to show up to heal our land. And, and I believe that that is, that is what is happening. Uh, let's turn over to Ephesians 5 for a minute. I just want to talk about this. So when we talk about what would Jesus do and in this season, what did he do? You know, Ephesians 5 says, uh, be imitators of Jesus. And really, that's not the best translation of it. It really means um, 
to be followers, to, to be so, um, and, and followers, we think followers, like, you know, I'm following someone on Instagram. We think that's what a follower is. Followers is about the intimacy that we have with Christ that enables us to know his very thoughts, his very uh, actions, his very plan. Chuck and I have been married for almost 41 years. If you don't think I know what he's thinking, 99% of the time, I mean, he can look a certain way and I'll be like, oh, you know, what are you thinking? Are you thinking about this? Yeah, because because I know him. I know him intimately. I, I, I know how he moves. I know when he's about to, you know, go out and clean the garage, he gets to stirring around because he can't stand anymore. And he's got to go, he's got to go uh, shop back something, you know, you know, you can feel it. You can know it. That's what it means. When, when we become imitators of Christ, it means that we know him so well that we can understand his very breath on a situation. And, and this ability to become this, uh, this uh, copy of him, if you will, if, you, if you're this copy of him, this ability to do that starts the minute we're born again. It doesn't start when we're five years in or 10 years in or 12 years in. When we are born again and we receive the Holy Spirit, the ability to become an imitator, a copy of, uh, to have the mind of Christ begins immediately. And it develops as we grow in him, as we spend time with him, as we get to know him. You know, Chuck and I have spent a lot of time together these last whatever six weeks it is or four weeks, whatever long it's been. We spent a lot of time sitting in the same room, looking at each other, talking about the weather over and over again, talking about the baby soon to be born, talking about what's in the Wall Street Journal. We spend a lot of time together hashing through what God is saying. And, and that's what God, as soon as we're born again, we have the ability to hash through, get to know, process with the son of God, because we're co-heirs with him. We have the ability to be able to look out on the earth and say, this is what's happening in front of me. Jesus, how do you want me to breathe on that? So it looks like your kingdom. How do you want us to, to move your kingdom forward? Um, you know, it's an inter- it's just such an interesting thought. It's you know, the rest of that scripture says, therefore become imitators of God, copy him and follow his example, as well beloved children imitate their father, and walk continually in love, that is, value one another, practice empathy and compassion, unselfishly seeking the best for others, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and sacrifice to God slain for you so that you become a sweet fragrance. So think about this. We continually walk in love. Well, Jesus talks about about this in Matthew 5, and you don't have to go there, but it says, Matthew 5, it says, um, I am going to turn there real quick so I can get it right. Uh, It says, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's out of Leviticus. But I say to you, love, that is unselfishly seeking the best or higher good for your enemies 
and pray for those who persecute you. When Proverbs, it says that when you pray for your enemy, it's like heaping coal on their head. Well, you know, when you think about what does that mean, I'm praying for him. So it's heaping coal on him. That doesn't even make sense in a lot of ways. Because if you're praying for him, you're, you're praying the heart of God over him. He would feel warmth and love and all that. But I did some research on that Proverbs scripture, Proverbs 25. And it says in, 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 in the Egyptian culture, when you, um, when there's a repentant man, he carries a heap of coal on his head to show everyone he has repented from what he has done. So when we pray for those who persecute us, what we're praying is that they will carry repentance on their head. That they, that they will turn from what they have done and repent and be restored back into relationship, be restored back into the kingdom mindset. So think about that. That For us, it's so foreign to think about who would carry hot coals. You know what I thought about? I thought about, well, how would you carry them? Because they'd be hot. And if you put them in something, then that container is going to get hot. You know, I'm going through this literal process of how would I carry a hot coal? you know, in my, on top of my head, but that our prayer, our love exuding over our enemy creates repentance within them. It gives them that opportunity. You know, whenever people hear the truth of the word, it's always an invitation to be transformed. It's always an invitation for that, for that, being closer to God for that intimacy that, that surpasses everything else that God has invited us to. It, it's always an invitation. So whenever we share the truth of the word, whether it's through healing, whether it's for, through, like Ann talk about walking with her neighbor, praying with her, you know, whenever we share the truth of God's love by what we do, by what we say, by the way we think, it is an invitation to encounter God. It is an invitation. And that's what Ephesians is saying. Walk continually in love. And how, what love looks like depends on the person we're encountering. Jesus's love always looks the same. It's compassionate. It's confrontational. It's uh, filled with mercy. You know, when Jesus confronted, he didn't do it to, to make people feel uh, shame. He did it to invite them into the truth, to invite them into who he is and who he was proclaiming. Um, so it's always filled with love. It's always filled with empathy and compassion. It's always seeking the best for someone else. And that's, that's kingdom movement right there. That's what makes that mustard seed within us grow into this huge permeated uh, from head to toe, finger to finger uh, reflection of who Christ is. So when we think about the business of God, it's not something that we shut the door on at five o'clock and then go home and then do whatever we want to do. It's this internal life that we live, that, that the kingdom is always our focus 
from the perspective of an owner, not a slave. We're always looking at, gosh, this kingdom on earth is mine. And God has given it to me to grow, to build, even to uh, tear down the things that don't work. You know, we have things that don't work. We have to take them apart. We have to redo them because we haven't, we haven't got it quite working right. So God has given me the power and authority to do all those things. And he's given me a family to do it with. We all operate the family business. We just operate it in our different giftings and our different callings. You know, some of us operated uh, as the head of a family. Some of us operated as the head of a business, as, uh, you know, support staff to so many other people. We all operate the kingdom. We just operate it with different giftings, with different purposes, with different designs. So it's fun to watch God use one person in build, moving the kingdom forward in one way, and then one person in building the kingdom, moving it forward in another way. And all those ways fit together as one. And that's what uh, Paul says in Ephesians 4. And I, we'll just go back there just for a minute. It says Ephesians 4. It says, um, Um, in verse 11, it says, and he gifts to the church and his gifts to the church were varied. He himself appointed some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, some as teachers. And he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints. Um, that word perfect actually means mature for the work of service to build up the body of Christ until we reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God to become a mature believer reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ. Think about that, reaching the measure of the fullness of Christ. We grow in that every single day. We grow in that every single day. So that we're no longer, verse 14, we're no longer children, spiritually mature, talks back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine, by the cunning and trickery of unscrupulous men, by the deceitful schemes of people ready to do anything for profit. That's the season we're in right now. Verse 14, that's what we're facing, is these people who are carried about with every doctrine, who are cunning and trickery, who are deceitful and scheming. That, that's what we're facing right now. Um, even within the church. But God is cleansing. He's cleansing his church. But that's what we're facing right now, that we're not, that we can hear someone talk about the word of God and we cannot be deceived by the uh, error or the inaccuracy that they're sharing. And it doesn't matter whether it's a false doctrine or whether they've made a mistake as people who are, are mature in that imitating Christ, we're raising up being able to discern and divide everything that we hear. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love in all things, both our speech and our lives express his truth. Let us grow up in all things into him, following his example, who is the head Christ. From him, the whole body the church in its various parts join and knitted firmly together by what every joint supplies 
when each part is working properly, causing the body to grow and mature, building itself up in unselfish love. So we are being built up in unselfish love because we have chosen to be, a, a, we have chosen to receive what Christ has given us. And as we receive, we grow more and more because he'll give us more. So that's kind of the the one-on-one of it all. But the the second part of it is, is as we grow in a reflection of him. So if people see us, they see a reflection of Christ in us. That's going to be the transforming mark for this new season. Is being that brilliant, glorious reflection of the son of God who lives in us. The son of God who has given us everything we need to transform this world to the kingdom of God. Now, when we say that, you know, there's these, all these kind of questions. Well, you know, how are we going to transform these people who don't believe? How are we going to transform the things around us? And, um, How are we going to transform our family? You know, how are we going to, there's so many, how do we, but it's not, it's really not a question of how it's a question of where, where do you want me, God, to make the biggest impact for your kingdom right now? Because we get confused by the how we look at the media and say, how are we ever going to stop them from doing fake news or being biased or whatever it is? You know, how are we ever going to get all of our family safe? How? No, it's not the how. It's, Lord, where's the assignment that you have for me? What's the anointing that's on me in this season that's going to bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? So it's, where do you have me? What do you want me to do? And that's what I'll do because I'm fully equipped to do where you've called me. It's not, how about the people down the street? No, because they may not be my assignment. It's not about why is this business open that doesn't align with the kingdom? That's not my assignment. My assignment is, where do you want me? What do you want me to do? And everything else, I've got to put a blinder to so I'm not distracted by someone else's assignment because you know that God's assigned someone else to them. Amen? Um, So I think that's all I'm going to say. I could go on forever because I've got something else Part of this is still burning in me and I just don't have it all played out. But I did want to say one other thing, which I thought was interesting. Um, just just, just understand how powerful our prayers are. And uh, I'm going to connect this to God because God is good and because God wants his best. But, you know, the payroll protection plan that they've rolled out. First of all, you know that there were a bunch of companies that came in and swooped up that money that didn't need the money. There were even companies that it was for people for under 500 people, right? That had under 500 employees. There were companies that had more than, one of them had 5,000 employees, but they applied for it under all their subsidiaries so they could get it. So um, the uh, Department of Justice is going after that. They're They're actually getting the money back. They're asking the people to give the money back. And I know that there's some that already have. And uh, so that's good. So that for me, that says that what is unjust is being made just again. And it is the prayers of God's people 
that are shifting this. And you might say, well, I didn't file for PPP. No, but did you pray for all the businesses? Did you pray for all? Yes. The other thing is, is that the PPP, the payroll protection plan was excluded toward any business that was um, working in, I don't know how they phrased it, but basically sexual trafficking, whether it was, uh, um, what do you call those things? Gentlemen's clubs, whatever it was, none of them could apply because they didn't fall within the moral spectrum of our government. Now, who would have thought we had heard that, right? So we think, you know, we see the worst. We always see the worst coming at us. But what we have to do is we have to uh, grab a hold of those things that are an answer to our prayer that we have been declaring the justice, you know, all of these different things. We've got to grab it. When we see those things come up as victories, we've got to grab a hold of those and take ownership of them. Because it was our prayers, it was our signed petitions, whatever we did that uh, broke loose that freedom for the people of God. So I just wanted to share that. I just felt that was really important that we understand that we are powerful people. And though we may not, we may not think where there is victory, we need to, we need to declare God's glory over it. We need to give God all the praise and glory for it. So uh, anyhow, I think that's it. I think that's all I want to share today. And uh, I'm going to unmute you guys just in case y'all have anything else you want to share with it. Uh, you can unmute yourself. And uh, I don't know if anybody else has anything to share on this before we close. Okay, Deb, go ahead. Uh, going along with what you said on what your assignment is, uh, since we started praying for America, God has really put on my heart the educational system and um, uh, how people... Uh, how how our children have been brainwashed and and all kinds of ungodly teachings and stuff. And there was on Fox News early this morning, there was two women on there. Uh, I'm not sure who they were. They had something to do with the educational system and homeschooling and how that in this pandemic, the silver lining is is that parents are their eyes are being opened up to what is in the curriculum and that there is going to be a shift in, in our whole educational system. So it was like God said, you did your assignment. It's I'm answering your prayers and what I put on your heart. Oh, wow. We could also boycott the media and tell our sponsors, listen, you want to do that stuff. You want to put these ideas forth. Go ahead. We just won't shop at your stores. You know, I, I just can't give my money to those who disagree with me so virulently. So wish you the best, but somebody else is going to have to help you. I'm not sure, Deb, if you know, there's a group up in Pasco. Uh, recently, I've been in touch with them, and that's exactly what's happened. The parents have found out uh, what's in the child's curriculum. I mean, and I'm just talking about um, uh, same-sex marriages, uh, gender identity, and that it's into the curriculum as young as kindergarten all the way through teens. And they actually encourage the kids to um, explore their gender identity to be sure it's the right one. 
And there is a whole movement now in Pasco County that's coming against this. And they have gone to Tennessee or to Tallahassee to see what they can do to change it because you're, you're right, the parents are becoming aware of it. So if you want to get involved in that, let me know. I'll connect you with, um, with the people that are doing that. Okay, thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, if we knew everything they were teaching in the public schools, we'd probably all faint. It's that bad. They started, that kind of teaching started in Canada a couple years ago. And then a year ago, they, they implemented a plan like in California, another state to see if that worked. And then, then that's where they, you know, started, but. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Not good. No. Can't hear you. You're muted. Oh, me? Okay. Oh. No, no, I was. I said, let's just pray and let's just uh, declare over our educational system um, because we have the power to shift that. We have the power to shift that. And whether we are on the front lines or not, I know someone who is uh, um, at the state level in education and, and, and they are really infiltrating what's being done. And, and we, you know, we have people in place. So we just need to come in agreement with the people that God has put in the where and the what they're supposed to do to shift the uh, education system. Because we do not want our kids to have options. We want them to have God. Right. Yeah, so let's pray. And whoever wants to pray can just jump in there. Thank you, Lord. For, um, you said at the beginning of all this that you were going to work all things out for good. And Father God, that there would be exposure of the plots of the enemy, Father God, that uh, you would uh, bring people that could uh, change things. And Father God, you're showing us that we do have a voice, Father God, all in our prayers and our intercession, and we do have authority, Father God. And uh, like I said on the news this morning, that what is taught in the educational system is the next generation in the political realm. So, Father God, we are canceling what the enemy is yes. doing in yes. the educational system, Father God, and, and our core values of a Judeo-Christian is going to be restored, Father God, and all this ungodly stuff from the enemy is going to be uh, canceled out and flipped over in the name of Jesus. We declare it and we decree it in Jesus' name. We thank you for what you're doing, Father God, and we worship you. We praise you, Lord yeah, God, God, that our generation, Father God, will be turning to you and see how uh, this is not the values of our nation that was founded on in Jesus' name. Yeah, yeah Lord, and we're just asking you to show us the root of all this that can be uh, pulled out all the way where it, it doesn't have an existence anymore. God, we, we don't want to just cut the root. We want to uh, dislodge it and pull it out so it doesn't have that stronghold uh, in our system, Lord. And, and God, we just pray for uh, the revealing of lies in uh, this whole uh, gender identity issue, just the revelation of lies and where that comes from. Lord, that uh, um, each parent that's faced with this, oh gosh, I just, I can see it. I can't quite explain it. But what I see is 
Um, I see an actress who, who said that their child is transgender. I think they're like 11 or something. And uh, so that's like a big media hub right now. And, and Lord, I'm just uh, declaring that these lies, these falsifications um, be revealed, be uh, broken. Uh, I don't even know the right word, be kicked out. And, and that the true identity over our children, over this generation, over their gender, uh, will be released in the name of Jesus. And um, God, we just thank you for those who have risen up to take their position, to make the shift in the educational mountain, uh, to bring you back into the center of it. And we just thank you, Jesus. Hey, Ruth, I felt like you had something on this to pray. Do you have something to pray? I'm going to unmute you. I really. Father. Go ahead. Go um, ahead. I'm sorry. Since you asked me to pray, I will. <laughs> I will. Father God, we just ask for mercy on our nation and on our schools and on our children. As Debbie talks about um, Florida, I think of my little grandbaby in New York and, and her future, Lord God. And not all parents understand this, Lord. They just follow what the teachers teach them and what, what's been told to them. They don't always understand. And God, we just ask you open up the windows of heaven and open up their eyes to the parents, to the teachers, to the principals, to our nation and our government, that they would see the truth like it is, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Reveal it to them, to us all, Lord. And deliver us from this attack of the enemy. In Jesus' name. Lord, we just thank you that you've revealed something that I think is critical for us to remember that what the kids are taught now will become the political platforms for uh, their generation when they grow up. And so, Lord, uh, we are just canceling that assignment, that political platform uh, that in 20 years will be uh, there is no gender. You just pick when you're born. You pick when you're old enough, which I know that's one of the agendas they're, pu they're uh, pushing forward right now is that. Um, there's no gender when you're born. You just pick when you grow up, when you feel like you can. So, Lord, we cancel that assignment of genderless people that you have made us male and female alike. We cancel the assignment that um, our political mountain will be filled with uh, people who don't know their identity in Christ. We just cancel that assignment right now. And we're just declaring in agreement with you that this billion soul harvest that's, that's already begun will be the uh, bread for the mountains in the generations to come. Mm -hmm. That there will be such a, uh, just like there is in the government mountain right now, there's such an infiltration of the people of God that, um, that there is just light shining on that mountain. That's what we declare for every mountain in the generations to come, that, that they will be so infiltrated with the people of God that there will be no room for the darkness to, to win. 
So God, we just declare that as the children of God, the, the owners of your business, the co-owners of your business, people in authority with power. And we just thank you for that privilege in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Okay, guys. Well, thank you so much. And Thursday night, we're going to talk about uh, preparing for the move of God. I'll send y'all something out tomorrow and we will go from there. I love you guys. It's good to see your smiling faces. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. For more podcasts like this and to connect with me, go to my website, cindy-stewart.com. And remember, you are the best investment you can make.